Richard Nixon. Well, I'm not a crook. Ronald Reagan. Tear down this wall. George W. Bush. I can hear you. The rest of the world hears you. And Donald Trump. And a friend of mine for a long time, he uh, only likes politics. If you ask him about how are the Yankees doing, he has no interest. If you ask him almost anything, he likes politics and he's a professional at the highest level Roger Stone. All of these presidents relied on one man to secure their seat in the Oval Office. That man is Roger Stone. This is The Roger Stone Show on 77 WABC. Welcome. This is Roger Stone, and this is The Roger Stone Show on 77 WABC Radio. For the next three hours, we're going to be here talking news, politics, history, style, food, and, well, a lot more. Of course, you can always listen to us at 770 on the AM dial if you're in the New York, New Jersey, Connecticut area where I grew up. But if you're out of town, you can always listen to us at WABCradio.com, where we are now streaming worldwide. I'm getting an enormous amount of mail, text messages, emails, phone calls uh, about excellent reception to the show outside the New York City area. So I welcome you to tune in. My really best advice, however, is for you to download the 77 WABC app to your cell phone. That way you won't miss any of what I think is the absolute best lineup of both commentary and analysis anywhere on AM radio today. I'm talking about Sid Rosenberg with Sid and Friends in the morning uh, with the great Sid Rosenberg. Uh, Rita Cosby, one of the most incisive uh, and I think uh, uh, shrewdest analysts of the day's news with the Rita Cosby show every weeknight. Uh, we're talking about the offbeat humor and interviews of Frank Morano on the other side of midnight. If you're a night owl, that is a must-listen program. Uh, Curtis Sliwa, uh, veteran uh, of the Guardian Angels, now emerging as one of the true heroes of the peaceful resistance to the invasion of New York City of illegal immigrants uh, can be heard regularly here on WABC. My old pal Dominic Carter, uh, who always has his fingers on the pulse of what's going on in the streets of New York. And then, of course, there is America's mayor, Rudy Giuliani, uh, much beleaguered, but unbowed, unbended, uh, and fighting to clear his name and in an outrageous assault on this great American hero. He can be heard here every weekday. Uh, I'd be remiss if I did not mention his son, Andrew Giuliano, Giuliani, whose show is on just before mine. Uh, he's going to be governor of New York State someday. You know, he might even be president. I am more impressed with Andrew Giuliani as a young political talent than perhaps anyone I have met in recent years. And then, of course, there's Larry Kudlow. I was on with Larry yesterday to break down the 2024 presidential race. 
Larry Kudlow is, of course, the apostle of economic growth, uh, the quarterback of Donald Trump's incredibly successful effort to recharge the American economy. You don't want to miss Cindy Adams. She is the queen of gossip, uh, a New York institution, my friend of 40 years. And then, of course, there's Katz and Cosby, John Katzimatidis and Rita Cosby, who break down the day's headlines for you every day at five uh, with an extra expert panel, which really cannot be topped. And of course, on Sundays, that show is at 8 a.m., where they set the table for the entire day's coverage. You know, for 13 years, uh, I have written an international men and women's best and worst dressed list. This is a tradition that I picked up from the late Mr. Blackwell. Mr. Blackwell was a Hollywood stylist and columnist uh, who could make or break careers by the publication of his daily list. And the list included people from all walks of life. Uh, movie stars, athletes, business people. Uh, it was uh, it was a must to much must see feature. So when I read that Mr. Blackwell had passed away, this was now 14 years ago. I began producing my own list. Uh, it used to be published regularly uh, at the New York Post. Uh, it is now published at my website, StoneZone.com. Also at my other men's fashion website, StoneOnStyle.com. And I must tell you, the list is getting harder and harder to compile every single year. Now, it is notable uh, that at least uh, two individuals who uh, are here right at WABC, Greg Kelly, uh, and uh, Larry Kudlow uh, have both graced my men's best list in the past. They are both sartorial giants. In fact, Larry Kudlow has emeritus status because he has made the list so many years in a row. Nobody has a better sense of style when it comes to matching suitings, neckties, and very tasty uh, men's shirts. And of course, Greg Kelly is among the very best dressers around. Uh, and it is therefore that I lament uh, a decision announced by Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer this week to relax the 100-year-old dress code for the floor of the United States Senate. Uh, let's be very clear about what is happening here. We are changing the rules of decorum we are, we are changing the rules of a respected institution for one man. That man is Senator John Fetterman of Pennsylvania, who for some bizarre reason insists on conducting U.S. Senate business while wearing baggy basketball shorts, uh, a stained T-shirt, uh, and a very baggy hoodie. This is nothing less than a dumbing down of standards. It's, uh, as I said, an assault on the decorum of the U.S. Senate, uh, where for a hundred years, members of the Senate who were gentlemen 
were required to wear a jacket and tie uh, or a suit and tie on the Senate floor. Uh, and women who served in the U.S. Senate were required to wear a dress. It wasn't long ago that the dress code was revised so that women in the summertime could wear sleeveless dresses. Uh, this has, I think, preserved the dignity and the formality and the importance of the people's business as it is being transacted on the U.S. Senate floor. But the decision by Senator Schumer uh, is really quite elitist. Here's why. This new dress code applies only to U.S. senators. So in other words, if you're a staff member and you work in the U.S. Senate, including on the U.S. Senate floor, and you're a gentleman, well, you're still required to wear a jacket and tie. Uh, if you are a woman, you're still required to address, to wear a dress, no pantsuits. So this is an elitist decision. Here is some very encouraging late breaking news. Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia is circulating a resolution that would reverse Schumer's order and return us to the dignity of the U.S. Senate. We'll keep you posted on the progress of that. It wasn't that long ago uh, that the report of special counsel John Durham showed that both former CIA director John Brennan uh, and former NSA director James Clapper were both deeply involved in the completely bogus, illegal and illegitimate effort uh, to forward the Russian collusion narrative, which turned out to be a hoax. Both CIA Director Brennan uh, and General Clapper uh, were fully aware that there was no probable cause uh, to justify the FISA warrants that were uh, that were approved by the FISA court to allow the spying on President Donald Trump, uh, as well as members of his staff. Now, Mr. Brennan uh, and Mr. Clapper, uh, along with uh, President uh, Barack Obama, Vice President Joe Biden, uh, Attorney General Loretta Lynch, Acting Attorney General Rod Rosenstein, all of whom knew that there was no probable cause for the FISA warrants, there was no probable cause for the appointment of Robert Mueller to be a special counsel to investigate a scandal that never actually happened. Uh, but all of them escaped prosecution uh, because John Durham, the special counsel, uh, whose report re confirmed pretty much everything we knew, took so much time that the statute of limitations of five years had run out. So none of the Obama cabal, nor the Hillary Clinton cabal uh, that included John Podesta, her chief of staff, uh, or Jake Sullivan, her national security advisor, faced prosecution. Now, incredibly, uh, the head of the Department of Homeland Security, Secretary Mayorkas, has announced that Mr. Brennan, uh, and General Clapper uh, will rejoin the Department of Homeland Security 
in an intelligent experts advisory panel. That's right, they're being rewarded for breaking the law. This is a thumb in the eye of President Donald Trump. Uh, presumably, they will both be back on the federal payroll, although uh, General Clapper may not need it. You see, he's a paid political analyst for CNN when he isn't teaching ethics at Vermont College. Uh, I would remind you that both uh, former CIA Director Brennan uh, and the former National Security Advisor James Clapper were among those 51 current and former intelligence officers who co-signed a letter falsely claiming that Hunter Biden's laptop had, quote, all the hallmarks of Russian disinformation. That, of course, has turned out to be a complete lie. Uh, and it is thanks to the intrepid and dogged reporting of the New York Post, specifically of reporters Miranda Devine and John Levine, uh, as well as the reporting of Breitbart News, uh, that we know today uh, that that is a lie. We also know that Secretary of State Anthony Blinken of the Biden administration was the former federal official who lined up the other 51. Yet there is no accountability and nobody will be held accountable for these crimes. Speaking of Hunter Biden's laptop, joining us on today's show uh, will be Garrett Ziegler. Uh, Ziegler is the head of the Marco Polo USA organization. You can find them at marcopolousa.org. Garrett Ziegler has taken it upon himself and a small band of truth tellers to publish Hunter Biden's entire laptop contents very carefully annotated and organized so that the average citizen can see exactly what Hunter Biden was up to. Now, uh, Garrett Ziegler is being sued by Hunter Biden, uh, a lawsuit, I must admit, he appears to relish. Uh, and we're going to talk to him about the crimes that he found documented on Hunter Biden's laptop uh, and the multi-million dollar effort to silence him. He'll be coming up today on The Roger Stone Show. We are uh, also going to focus on the incredible invasion of America uh, that is uh, the illegal immigrant surge at our border. According to CBS, Border Patrol agents apprehended roughly 140,000 migrants who crossed the U.S.-Mexico border without authorization within just the first 20 days of September. This is an average of about 6,900 illegals each day, according to internal agency data from the federal government. This represents a 60% increase from the daily average of 4,300 illegals entering the country in July. The Department of Homeland Security, pardon me, the Border Patrol agents are on track to record more than 210,000 migrant apprehensions this month, which would be the highest level since December and May 
of 2022. No place uh, is the impact of this being felt more than right there in New York City. Uh, this is a bigger problem than the city. Yesterday, we learned that the mayor of Chicago uh, put out a no-bid $27 million compact contract uh, for the building of a tent city uh, for the illegals. Uh, New York is bursting at the seams. Uh, the old Roosevelt Hotel, once uh, the elite watering hole uh, of Mayor John V. Lindsay, uh, Governor Nelson Rockefeller, former New York Governor Thomas E. Dewey, uh, the headquarters of the New York Republican Party on the National Registry of Historic Sites has now been converted into a migrant shelter. There were more than 40 arrests there uh, for fights uh, and rapes uh, within the building. Uh, it is reported that migrants are actually defecating in the hallways. This is just one of the luxury hotels in New York City that have been converted to migrant shelters. Mayor Eric Adams can't seem to make up his mind. Uh, in one breath, he says that the migrant influx threatens to destroy uh, New York City. In the next breath, he actually thanks President Joe Biden for granting work permits to 117,000 Venezuelans uh, who have uh, gathered in New York City as a result of Joe Biden's open borders problem. Nowhere is this problem more acute than in Staten Island, where the city has attempted to house illegals. Staten Island community activist John Tobacco, who has been very active with Curtis Sliwa and others uh, in organizing the peaceful resistance to this invasion of Staten Island, also joins us today to discuss this growing resistance of New Yorkers uh, and the tactics being used uh, by uh, Mayor Eric Adams uh, to deal with the crisis. Uh, and then finally, uh, Kash Patel, former chief counsel to the House Intelligence Committee and former assistant to President Donald Trump for counterterrorism, joins us on The Roger Stone Show to talk about the Department of Justice <clears throat> spying on him as he was fulfilling his congressionally mandated duties to investigate the origins of the Russian collusion hoax. Uh, if you're just tuning in, folks, I am Roger Stone. This is The Roger Stone Show. We're going to be here until 5 o'clock today. Uh, you can listen to us at 770 on the AM dial, but I also uh, invite you to tune in at WABCradio.com, uh, where we are live streaming worldwide. WABC Radio, where we are making AM radio great again. Ukrainian President Zelensky was back in New York this past week. Uh, going from New York to Washington, uh, and it is reported that he left town with another $24 billion in taxpayer funding for the Ukrainian war effort. Incredibly, the Pentagon announced 
that in the event of a government shutdown, based on the fact that the Congress may not be able to come up with an agreed spending agreement for which they have a very tight deadline, I believe it is September 30th, the flow of billions to Ukraine will not be impeded by the government shutdown. Let me remind you that Mayor Adams is proposing an 8% cut in spending across the board for police, hospitals, and public schools because the cost of housing and transporting uh, tens of thousands of illegal immigrants uh, costs the city uh, more than they can afford and he has been entirely unsuccessful in getting financial assistance from the Biden administration. But don't worry, folks, the flow of billions of dollars to Ukraine will remain unimpeded. I find it shocking uh, that when the largest chunk of funding for Ukraine was approved, U.S. Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky proposed an amendment to that bill when it was clear that it would pass, requiring an inspector general from the Office of Government Accounting to keep track of exactly where the money was going. That amendment got exactly three votes. Why would any U.S. senator not want to know where our hard-earned tax dollars are going? You can't make this stuff up, folks. Former White House aide Cassidy Hutchison is back in the news. Uh, this time, the former aide to White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows is claiming that Mayor Rudy Giuliani sexually groped her backstage on January 6th. This is not the first time uh, that Miss Cassidy has lied. She testified under oath before the January 6th hearings uh, that White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows called both me and my friend General Michael Flynn on January 5th to, quote, get a rundown of what would happen on January 6th. She also testified that Meadows uh, who decided not to attend an alleged meeting uh, in a war room in the Willard Hotel, later called both me and General Flynn to get a rundown on how that meeting went. The problem with all of this is that it is an egregious lie. I've never talked to Mark Meadows on the phone or communicated with him in any other way, and I checked with General Flynn. Either did he, not on January 5th or 6th, or on any other day. And if there was a war room of some kind being used by Mayor Giuliani in what I think, as a non-lawyer at least, is a perfectly legal effort to seek a delay in the certification of the Electoral College vote for president, uh, and asks the states to re-examine the popular vote and its integrity in their states. Well, I read about that effort, but I was never involved in it. So why is Cassidy Hutchison now stepping forward to smear 
one of America's greatest heroes, Mayor Rudy Giuliani. Oh, that's right. She has a book coming out. So she waited two and a half years uh, with this Me Too smear. Rudy Giuliani, in an excellent interview I saw the other night, pointed out that there were a hundred people present. He was traveling with heavy security, uh, and this entire notion is absurd. Uh, it is it is being made for sensationalism. It is being made to smear the hero of 9-11. Uh, it is being made uh, to further blacken his name, but most importantly, it is being made to sell Cassidy Hutchison's book. If you are as disgusted as I am by the attempted crucifixion of Mayor Rudy Giuliani, perhaps the greatest mayor in New York City history, uh, and a man who rallied the city, the state, the nation, and the world with his bold leadership in the days immediately after 9-11, well, you can go to RudyGiulianiFreedomFund.com. Let me repeat that for you. RudyGiulianiFreedomFund.com. Make no mistake uh, about it, folks. The cost of defending yourself in multiple states, in multiple lawsuits, uh, is absolutely debilitating. This is a technique that they're trying on Rudy Giuliani. It is a technique they tried on me when I was falsely charged with lying to Congress uh, under oath in voluntary testimony regarding Russian collusion and WikiLeaks collaboration that we now know definitively never actually happened. My wife and I lost our savings. We lost my car. Uh, we lost my ability to make a living. Uh, we lost uh, my ability to speak because I was placed under a gag order. Uh, we lost my ability to travel. All of this is designed to pressure you uh, into cooperating, uh, into adopting the government's narrative. In my case, prosecutors wanted me to testify falsely against President Donald Trump, something I refuse to do. Rudy Giuliani is a great man. He needs our help today, folks. Uh, he's another one who will never fold and will never lie. All he has done is, as an attorney, zealously defend the interests of his client, President Donald Trump. You can go once again to the Rudy Giuliani Freedom Fund dot com uh, to help this beleaguered American uh, in this extraordinary fight. I also read that the FDA uh, is now talking about removing from the market uh, a number of long used cold medications, including Sudafed, uh, uh, NyQuil, uh, Ben, Benadryl uh, uh, and uh, uh, others, including Mucinex, claiming that they do not work. Uh, as someone with a long history of upper respiratory problems, we joke in my family that big noses run in our family, particularly in the wintertime. 
I can tell you that these medicines have always worked. They have worked for me. Uh, and therefore, you have to question why they are now being removed from the market. In my opinion, they are being removed from the market to clear the way for uh, the upcoming claim of a new pandemic. Now, I'm a believer in health freedom. In other words, if they announce a new strain of the COVID virus uh, and a new vaccination that ultimately uh, or allegedly addresses it, it should be up to each uh, and every citizen to decide whether they want to take that vaccination. I urge people to do their own research before making what could be a draconian decision. I'm a strong believer in health freedom, but I think it is obvious why these long useful and long effective cold medications are being removed from the market. All right, that's it for my commentary today. We have Garrett Ziegler, uh, Cash Patel, uh, and Staten Island activist John Tobacco on deck. So fasten your seatbelts and get ready for the very best of the Roger Stone Show right here on WABC Radio. Or you can listen to us at wabcradio.com if you're outside the AM radio market, where, of course, you can tune in at 770 on the AM dial. I'll be right back. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is The Roger Stone Show on 77 WABC. A man who's gone through hell, but he's kept going and he's smart and he's strong and people love him. Not everybody, but people love him and respect him. Roger Stone. Now, here's Roger Stone. Welcome back. This is Roger Stone, and this is The Roger Stone Show here on 77 WABC Radio. Joining me now is Kash Patel, former chief of staff to the acting secretary of defense in the Trump administration. Prior to that, Kash Patel served as deputy assistant to the president and senior director for counterterrorism at the National Security Council. Uh, and prior to that, he served as the National Security Advisor and Senior Counsel for the House Permanent Select Committee 
on intelligence where he spearheaded the investigation into alleged Russian collusion. Kash Patel is someone for whom I have enormous respect and admiration, so much so that I have named one of my dogs Cash. And if you know how much I love my dogs, that is a measure of my immense respect for him. Cash Patel, welcome to The Roger Stone Show. Roger, thank you kindly for having me on in that introduction. And of course, I'm always humbled uh, to be a part of the uh, extended Stone family in that fashion. Uh, you uh, are, as I say, someone who has been very outspoken, I think extraordinarily effective on pushing back on the various fake news mainstream media narratives about President Donald Trump, about the Trump administration, about the Russian collusion, which we now know definitively, first from the Nunes report, which you helped write. Uh, I think Congressman Devin Nunes, former chairman of the House Select mm -hmm. Permanent Committee, one of the great unsung heroes uh, of the Trump years. Uh, and of course, subsequently, uh, the final long-awaited, slow-rolled, but still devastating John Durham special counsel final report, we now know that Russian collusion was a hoax, that there was no probable cause, no evidence of Russian collusion uh, with the Trump campaign that would have justified the illegal and illicit FISA warrants that were used to spy on Donald Trump and his associates, uh, no probable cause to justify the appointment of special counsel Robert Mueller, uh, and no probable cause for the uh, media assault on President Donald Trump. But shockingly, we learned not long ago that while you were fulfilling your constitutional and legal duties, to investigate the entire Russian collusion matter uh, in your auspices as an, as an officer uh, and a staff member for the U.S. Congress, the U.S. Department of Justice was spying essentially on you. Tell us about it. <clears throat> yeah, it's, it, it's something you would uh, almost laugh at and say, oh, that's fake news. But unfortunately, it wasn't even a Democratic-led effort. Rod Rosenstein, then the, effectively the Attorney General, and Chris Ray, the director of the FBI, sat down with Devin Nunes and I in the, uh, in the basement of the Capitol building in January of 2018 and threatened to investigate and subpoena us because we were exposing their corruption. And remember, Rod Rosenstein is the one that signed the illegal FISA warrant on then-sitting President Donald Trump, which was rescinded by the FISA court as a result of our investigation. And Chris Ray is the character that has covered up all of the FBI's lies by his agents and his teams to the FISA court and just called it an unintentional accident. And what we learned four-plus years later was, because Google notified me after the five-year window had expired, that those two guys had subpoenaed my records when I was a senior staffer on Capitol Hill. And they lied to us in January of 2018 because they had already done it two months before that executed the search warrants for my personal, private, banking, email, text, phone calls, everything. And it was totally baseless. The only reason they wanted to do it was to get a revenge on us, me and Devin Nunes and company, 
And it should be a chilling factor that you would think anyone on Capitol Hill would be like, wait a second. The Department of Justice is baselessly surveilling senior staffers on Capitol Hill. You would think that would be headline news, but because it was us exposing Russiagate, they've mowed past it. But, you know, since nobody will act, I did. So just last week, I filed a federal lawsuit against Rod Rosenstein, Chris Ray, the DOJ, the FBI, for violating my constitutional rights and baselessly surveilling me, among other things. And I'm going to see those guys in court. I'm going to walk in. I'm going to take their depositions. I'm going to get the discovery. I'm going to get the emails. I'm going to show the American public that they have weaponized justice for personal vendettas. This is how these corrupt government gangsters operate. And no one else in this government is going to hold them accountable. So, Roger, you know better than anyone. You just got to suit up and jump in the fight. And that's what we did here. And I'm looking forward to getting the information to the American public. Yeah, this is sadly not really the first time this has happened. Uh, CIA Director John Brennan was actively spying on members of the U.S. Senate and their staffs because they were investigating his abuse uh, of the laws uh, that prevented uh, the use of torture uh, as CIA Mm -hmm. director. Uh, He, of course, has paid no price whatsoever for that. Uh, He misled the public. Uh, He pushed the Russian collusion narrative, even though he himself knew that there was Mm -hmm. no evidence of Russian collusion. He certainly, as well as Rod Rosenstein, uh, was well aware of the original origins of the so-called Steele dossier, uh, the dirty dossier that was fabricated to justify the investigation into Donald Trump. And then we learned this week... Uh, that uh, that James Clapper, who lied to Congress under oath about whether or not the government used a program to collect metadata on American citizens, uh, but who was rewarded with a sinecure position as an analyst for CNN when he's not teaching ethics at Vermont College, ethics, that is, uh, <laughs> and, and John Brennan, who I think at this point is thoroughly discredited, it was announced this week that they have just been appointed to a, essentially an intelligence <laughs> oversight board by the Department of Homeland Security. Your reaction to that? Well, it's a sad reality that if you want to screw up in government, um, or if you want a promotion in government, excuse me, screw up. If you want a big, big promotion, screw up hugely. And you just described two cabinet secretaries who have lied to Congress, who have abused their powers in the intelligence community, unlawfully surveil Americans and collect data from the United States senators and their staffers, and lie about the Russiagate hoax from day one, even though they knew the truth that Hillary Clinton had paid for it and there was no justification to open up a case against Donald Trump. These two guys weaponized the intelligence community, and they are receiving uh, benefits for it. Now, remember, John Brennan, at least in the Trump administration, we revoked his security clearance. So there's no way he should be able to sit on this board unless, wait for it, Mayorkas and Biden go ahead and reinstate his security clearance so he can go ahead and make millions of dollars in the private sector. These two guys have destroyed the respect anyone has for our intelligence community and have crippled our nation's national security, and now they're being paid for it uh, through some government-funded boondoggle. And I think Americans need to realize that this is an apolitical mission. I don't care that they're Democrat. I care that they fail the American people in protecting us and pushing out disinformation to help rig presidential elections, not to mention the fact that these guys signed the Hunter Biden letter 
the 51 Intel letter, which they still stand by, even though it's been shown that Hunter Biden's laptop is not Russian disinformation, and that helped rig yet another presidential election. So this is the pattern that they have established, and this is why they're on the board, Roger, and I want your audience to be aware. They are going to try and rig this upcoming presidential election. This is not an accident. They put in there so they can get out on the bully pulpit and lie again to the American public. I think that is absolutely correct. Uh, This is the question I get more than any other. Uh, President Donald Trump is enjoying a political resurgence in the country Mm -hmm. like nothing I have seen. Mm -hmm. 13 Republican presidential candidate campaigns uh, and over 700 campaigns nationally and internationally in my career. I mean, look, I worked for President Ronald Reagan. He was among our greatest presidents. He was among our most popular presidents, but even he never had the intensity of support that Donald Trump has today. And with every new poll, the president is gaining both new voters uh, and just as importantly, new small and medium sized donors. There is no question in my mind that if we have a free, fair, honest, transparent election in 2024, uh, that Donald Trump will win comfortably. On the other hand, my biggest fear, given the lack of any election law reform in any of the swing states, uh, that the same bad actors who I think corrupted the last election are gearing up to corrupt the election yet again. You have written an incredible book, Government Gangsters, uh, uh, that really exposes what Dwight Eisenhower called the military-industrial complex, what today we call the deep state. You have firsthand experience uh, with those who are corrupting uh, and subverting our government at the highest levels. But you had some problems getting this book to market, did you not? (laughs) I did, and I'm happy to announce on your show it's releasing within days. Uh, Finally, the Biden administration, when you're a former government official, you have to get approval to get your manuscript released and printed as a book. That takes usually two to three months. Ten months later, the Biden administration has sent my manuscript to nine different agencies and departments, which is unheard of. It usually goes to one, a maximum of two. And then they said, no, no, we're still reviewing it. We don't want this information out there. And I filed a federal lawsuit challenging them in court. And, of course, they finally bent the knee because they knew I had just done one thing, written the truth, exposed the deep state, shown America how to obliterate them. And I think the thing they're most ticked off about is I named every government gangster by name and title that has ever failed this country that I ever came across, Republican or Democrat. And Donald Trump calls this book the roadmap to 2024. Once we won – And I also stuffed a book full of government documents and receipts so the American public can know what happened on January 6th, can know what happened about Russiagate, can know about Nancy Pelosi's unlawful, unconstitutional behavior on January 6th and her lies about it. I want the American public educated so that they do not fall victim to yet another rigged election. So the book Government Gangsters comes out in just a few short days. Uh, Go to governmentgangsters.com right now and pre-order it. Get on Amazon, uh, signing copies. We're having a lot of fun. And I'm really appreciative that you let me um, <clears throat> help roll the book out uh, for this book launch. It's been it's been quite the ordeal. I didn't think I thought writing a book would be hard. I didn't think battling the, the my own government to put out the truth would be so difficult. But uh, I guess it comes as no surprise since the deep state is still in power. 
So folks, again, just in case you didn't catch that, you can pre-order your copy at governmentgangsters.com. That's governmentgangsters.com. This promises to be a barn burner. I'm really, really looking forward to it uh, because I know Cash Patel. uh, He's a man of enormous courage, uh, and he names names. Uh, This is going to be, I think, a, a watershed book, an important seminal book for exposing the deep state and that everything uh, that happened in the two and a half, almost three year effort to destroy the Trump presidency. Uh, You can also follow Cash uh, at Truth Social, uh, where he is simply Cash, K-A-S-H, Cash Patel at Cash. Truth Social really is an extraordinarily dynamic, Uh, social media platform. It is a great place not only to meet uh, and to talk to like-minded individuals, but it's a great platform to share the truth and to educate people who know generally that they are on our side, but who need to be armed with the facts. That is the thing about Cash Patel. He brings the receipts. Cash, I understand you spoke recently at the Villages, uh, a very large uh, and vibrant Trump group there in a retirement community here in uh, Central Florida, and you were extremely well uh, received. I want to congratulate you for that. I am still hearing good things about your remarks there. Oh, well, I appreciate that, and it was very humbling for an organization like the in the villages, Florida, the villages for Trump and and uh, born to ride group for Trump, that they would even um, have me speak there it was so humbling. There was probably 300 plus people there. I couldn't believe it. Um, but what's energizing to me, Roger, and I think this is probably um, you, you can share in this, is that when you see Americans so engaged and so hungry for the truth, we know that our our battle, our mission is working. But we have a lot of work to do. And when we can fold in great Americans like the villagers like the people at the villages and get them on our mission and on our track and pushing Donald Trump agenda, we have a chance at saving this country. And that's why we um, just don't stop. We're relentless. We're going to go around the country. We're going to do shows. We're going to do interviews. Um, and we're never going to stop putting the mission first. And it was just really inspirational to see an amazing group of Americans like that um, show their care for country and love of Donald Trump and desire to see him reelected as president. So. That's the mission going forward. That's part of the mission in Government Gangsters. And uh, I'll be doing book tours all over the country, I guess, for the next couple of months. It's, it's a humbling experience, but I'm, I'm happy to just put it all out there because, as you know better than anyone, Roger, this, this election, if we don't win this one, then it's all over and the deep state is going to be entrenched for the next half century. Well, having written five books myself, one New York Times bestseller, four Amazon bestsellers, I can tell you firsthand that radio is the number one driver for important book sales. So I want to make it clear that you are always welcome on the Roger Stone Show here at 77 WABC, where we are making AM radio great again. If you're just tuning in, folks, (laughs) we're talking to Cash Patel, uh, former chief of staff uh, for the U.S. Department of Defense, former deputy assistant to President Donald Trump uh, and the senior director for counterterrorism at the National Security Council uh, and where I first met him as national security advisor and senior counsel to the House 
permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, where he helped author the historic Nunes Report, uh, which was widely disparaged by Adam Schiff and <laughs> Eric Swalwell and Jerry uh, Nadler, but turned out to be, in retrospect, the, the stone-cold truth. I mean, the single most credible document regarding what actually happened in the non-existent Russian uh, collusion. Cash, let, let's move to the current day, if mm -hmm. we may. Uh, you posted this uh, on Truth Social the other day. I reposted it because I thought it was so important. You said, did anyone in Congress move uh, to hold Attorney General Merrick Garland in contempt for violating multiple congressional subpoenas? How about for lying under oath once again about Hunter Biden uh, and whether he communicated with Weiss? That would be David Weiss, the former U.S. attorney, I guess the current U.S. attorney for Delaware, but now I think illegally holding the title of special counsel investigating Hunter Biden. Did anyone move to seize some DOJ funding he's using to build this two-tiered justice system? Or has Congress ceded all constitutional oversight authority to Attorney General Merrick Garland so he can continue to rig elections and destroy justice with reckless abandon? Will anyone execute any real measure of accountability? No, you said, I don't think so. Lay this out for us. Yeah, it's just tragic. You know, when, you know, I, I don't like going out there and being, you know, somewhat hyperbolic, but it's, it's not. It's, it's, it's just grounded in truth. And when you have a two-tier system of justice, and I've told President Trump this, you know, I think that's one of the central things that should be a part of his campaign going forward, and I think he's made it so, because everybody in America now realizes they could be targeted unlawfully, baselessly by this DOJ if they dare to go into a house of worship, if they dare to put an America First um, agenda on their, on their social media, if they dare to support Donald Trump, or if they dare to do anything that the Biden administration doesn't like, they could be merc mercilessly and baselessly prosecuted. And, <clears throat> you know, the one thing I learned in Russiagate is when, when you violate a congressional subpoena, that's a felony. And if there's no cause of action to come back and bring these people into the fold, then they're going to keep doing it again and again and again. And we took their money back then. I'm not saying defund the entire organization, but you can ground Chris Gray's government-funded G5 jet. He doesn't need that thing. And you could take away Merrick Garland's toys. They don't need a super fancy new set of cars or any other um, – um, instruments and computers and government buildings, we can shut all that down until they come to come to uh, heal. And, 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 I'll, and I'll highlight you, whatever your position is on Bannon or Navarro, they were prosecuted for contempt of Congress, for violating supposedly congressional subpoenas, even though they were unwarranted. They prosecuted them. So why is it that Ray and Garland are allowed to be uh, given a get-out-of-jail-free pass? And Congress has the inherent contempt of Congress powers which means they don't need the DOJ. We can't have the cops police themselves. We know they won't do it. They can have the sergeant arms go out there and arrest Garland and Ray for breaking the law, for establishing a precedent that is illegal and unconstitutional because they work for Congress, not the other way around. And we, the American public, more than anything, deserve to know the documentation that shows their corruption so we can be educated at the polls. And Congress has had multiple opportunities to go after them, in this hearing with Garland where he just sat there and lied, there was no repercussions. 
No one took any money from him. No one told him he was in violation of subpoenas. No one thought he was committing a felony. And it's just grotesque. I'm sure more letters will be written from the well of Congress, but it's just a lot of inaction, and I was tired of seeing it. And I think we need to just keep our <clears throat> focus going forward in, in educating the American public and hopefully get some more documents somehow, some way. Yeah, look, I totally sympathize with your point of view, and I also sympathize with both Steve Bannon and Peter Navarro. Now, I was subpoenaed by the January 6th committee, and I fulfilled my legal obligation uh, to show up for a hearing uh, where I asserted my Fifth Amendment rights. Not because I did anything wrong, not because I had anything whatsoever to hide. Any claim that I knew in advance about, participated in, or condoned any illegal activity on January 6th or any other date for that matter, is categorically false. Doesn't matter how many times Ari Melber at MSNBC wants <laughs> to say otherwise, he's wrong. Nor, as it turns out, did I participate in, I'm a non-lawyer, but I think was a legal effort to persuade the U.S. Senate to delay the certification of the Electoral College until some of the state legislatures who have the inherent authority under Article 2 uh, to award electors to presidential candidates based on the popular vote within the states uh, to re-examine the election results. Don't think that's seditious. Don't think it's uh, that it that it is illegal. Uh, don't think it is treasonous. Uh, I didn't think it would be successful, but nonetheless, I was not involved in that effort other than reading about it, other than following the media coverage of it. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, you're absolutely right, and you have educated me today. Uh, sending a contempt citation. Uh, over the stonewalling of members of the Biden administration of the House Republicans' investigation into Hunter Biden would be a fool's errand. Uh, they would stonewall that just like they are stonewalling the request for information. I was unaware that the Congress had the authority on its own uh, to have the sergeant of arms detain those individuals who have refused uh, to uh, to submit to a legal subpoena from the Congress. Yeah, it's it's one of those powers that no one talks about, and it's it should be rarely used. And the reason Congress has that power is just for this type of scenario. If the DOJ and FBI are breaking the law, and the Attorney General and the FBI Director are leading that charge, you can't refer a matter from Congress and say, Hey, Mr. Attorney General, Director of the FBI, you've broken the law. Please investigate yourself. It's ludicrous. That's why that power exists. But <clears throat> with Republicans now in the middle of this budget battle and trying to figure out a way to give more money to the Ukrainians instead of our homeless veterans, for example, um, I feel or I'm, I'm afraid are going to cede more authority yet again <clears throat> and have Merrick Garland and Chris Ray take the victory lap as if they're somehow still protecting America. And I can't encourage everyone listening to the show anymore than now to get out and call your representatives and tell them that you want DOJ and FBI brought into compliance with the law. There can be no two-tier system of justice in this country if you want free and fair elections and if you want to be able to express your thoughts under the First Amendment and not be prosecuted for it baselessly like Donald Trump is and so many other people. And the only Republican measure we have <clears throat> is the House of Representatives. 
that's why that's who I'm talking about right now. We don't have the White House. We don't have the Senate. We don't have another mechanism of government to come in there and get these government gangsters to come in and do the job they're supposed to do. They have taken a, a, a privilege, which is serving this country, and turned it into a money-making right. And they enter this cyclical process of going to the swamp and getting their seven-figure contracts when they're on their way out, just like Esper and so many other government gangsters. And do you think it's a coincidence that Gina Haspel and Rod Rosenstein now currently are employed at, get, get wait for it, Chris Ray's old law firm? This is what these people do. They service themselves, and we must end this cycle. Uh, it really is uh, a revolving door. Uh, yesterday I was nauseated watching Congressman Jerry Nadler trying to <laughs> run point in the cover-up of Hunter Biden's uh, various crimes, which, based on what I have read at MarcoPoloUSA.org, and by the way, we have Garrett Ziegler uh, from Marco Polo, the nonprofit organization that I think has done an incredible public service by publishing and annotating uh, Hunter Biden's laptop contents. We'll be talking about that today on the show. Uh, essentially trying to claim that the IRS uh, and FBI whistleblowers who have come forward at great personal risk to themselves, risking the security of themselves and their families, not just their financial security, but also their physical security to tell the truth. Essentially what Congressman Nadler said, well, well people above them uh, contradict everything they have to say. So in other words, people in the FBI and the IRS who have nothing whatsoever to lose uh, are trying to run a massive cover-up. Congressman Dan Goldman from right here in Manhattan uh, has claimed, has actually accused you of using a tax-free foundation to essentially bribe the whistleblowers to offer false testimony against Hunter Biden. Any reasonable person who listened to that testimony and its detail and understands the enormous pressure these whistleblowers have brought upon them truth themselves by telling the truth know that that is an egregious lie. Tell us uh, about what you have done for these courageous whistleblowers and how people can help. Oh, thank you. Yes, it's the cashfoundation.com, the cashfoundation.com. Look, when we get out there and we're covering the country, we learn that so many people have been wronged. So many people's rights have been violated, but they don't have the funds to fight back. And <clears throat> so we created a 501c3 called the Cash Foundation. And <clears throat> you can go to the website and check us out. And if you <clears throat> know someone who needs help, fill out a quick application, and we will get you the help that you need. Um, whistleblowers are also individuals we help. And, of course, Silver Spoon Goldman, Adam Schiff's protege, guy's never worked a day in his life, has been spoon-fed billions of dollars um, <clears throat> from his family, uh, had the audacity to go out into the well of Congress and lie about brave whistleblowers. I don't care what you say about me, but those whistleblowers put their careers on the line to expose government waste, fraud, and abuse at the FBI. And then he said, we at our foundation bought and paid for those whistleblowers. No. We help whistleblowers who provide credible witness testimony after they've come forward if they need financial assistance because Chris Ray took away their government checks, and they couldn't have the ability to pay for rent, to help their children, 
to cover food expenses. So the Cash Foundation came in. We will never stop doing that. We will never apologize for that. On top of that, you can't let these corrupt actors like Silver Spoon, Adam Goldman, get away with it. So not only did I file a criminal referral to the Department of Justice, yes, he broke the law by making that statement from the well of Congress. I also filed it <clears throat> a referral to the House Ethics Committee. Now, I know that those are probably not going to go anywhere, but the purpose is you got to s- silence them. And then he came back and tried to apologize a million times on social media and say, oh, well, you know, I didn't really do that. And I challenged him to come into a real courtroom and put on his big boy pants and see if he will contest the case of defamation because that's what he did. He defamed me, but more importantly, he defamed these whistleblowers who are coming out bravely. And we've seen what whistleblowers can do. The IRS guys have shown how the two-tier system of justice has permeated up to Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. And we need whistleblowers to keep coming forward because we know these are not the only two instances of gross government abuse and unlawful conduct. So go to thecashfoundation.com, help support us. We've got the best merch in the business, and all the money goes right back out the door for veterans, for law enforcement, for active duty service members, tuition. We have a scholarship. And, yes, we are going to continue to help whistleblowers. Uh, This is an extraordinarily important effort, folks. I've had several of these whistleblowers on my show, Stephen Friend, Kyle Seraphim. These are courageous men, some of whom were facing homelessness uh, because all their government benefits have been cut off. They have something to risk, uh, and they put it all on the line simply to tell the truth. And Cash Patel has very courageously stepped forward to help them. Uh, and his uh, reward for that is to be accused falsely by Congressman Dan Goldman of bribery. Uh, it is uh, it is indeed uh, nauseating. We just have a few more minutes here. Cash, give me your quick assessment uh, of the lawfare that is being waged against President Donald Trump. I don't think there's anyone in the country who believes that if Donald Trump were not leading for the Republican presidential nomination mm-hmm. now by heavy, heavy double digits uh, and continuing despite the assault on him uh, by mainstream fake news media to lead Joe Biden nationally and in the swing states that he would be the target in D.C., in Miami, in Georgia, in New York City. So give us your quick assessment. Yeah, look, as a former national security prosecutor and public defender, I thought the, the legal system the DOJ and the courts of law would be the one place where we would check constitutional oversight abuse. But I'm, I'm, tragically, I'm wrong. The lawfare is what the deep state has used to go after targets. They go after me, they go after you, and so many other people that we've mentioned during the program. And, of course, they're going after Donald Trump baselessly to kneecap him, to take him out of the presidency, to rig another presidential election. And the judges are going along with this caper. And we have to start – Congress has to start impeaching judges. Is something I talk about in my book, Government Gangsters. But what this shows to me more than anything else is that there's a two-tier system of justice that Donald Trump is exposing, not just at the state level but at the federal level. And he's exposing the corruption, whether it's the documents case or whether it's the January 6th case or what have you. People are starting to see that, wait a second, it's not that I like or dislike Donald Trump. It's that he has a right to say he won this election and every election going forward to the end of time. It's called the First Amendment. Hillary Clinton did it. Speaker Pelosi did it. Hakeem Jeffries did it. AOC has done it. So why shouldn't Donald Trump have the same rights? And what we are seeing is when the government actually had the opportunity to go ahead and baselessly charge Donald Trump with actually possessing 
classified documents, they didn't do it. And when they could have charged him with actually causing an insurrection and sedition, they didn't do it because it is unlawful to have done so. It didn't happen. So they have created legal morass and fancy language. And, of course, the fake news media will carry their water for them to somehow dirty up Donald Trump with the criminal justice system. It is unconstitutional. And America is starting to catch on. And I think that's the movement that's going to catapult Donald Trump to the presidency in 2024. All right. Sadly, we are out of time. I want to thank Cash Patel for joining us today on The Roger Stone Show. This is The Roger Stone Show on 77 WABC. A man who's gone through hell, but he's kept going and he's smart and he's strong and people love him. Not everybody, but people love him and respect him. Roger Stone. Now, here's Roger Stone. This is a Roger Stone, and this is the Roger Stone Show here on 77 WABC Radio. You can tune in at WABCRadio.com no matter where you are on the planet because we're streaming worldwide. Today we're going to talk about the manifestation of the wide-open policy uh, at our southern border of President Joe Biden. Uh, Incredibly, Department of Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas continues to insist in public that our southern border is secure, but anyone who can watch television or read the news knows that that's a fallacy. There are actually 118 gates uh, along the Arizona Mexico border that are welded open. Uh, And the federal government tells us this is because uh, of a endangered species of antelope so that it can cross uh, through the border. We have seen uh, a record number of migrants entering the United States in just the last week. According to CBS News, Border Patrol agents apprehended roughly 140,000 migrants who crossed the U.S.-Mexico border without authorization in just the first 20 days of September. That's an average of about 6,900 every single day, uh, according to internal Border Patrol agency data. This represents a 60% increase from the daily average of about 4,300 back in July. The agency is on track to record more than 210,000 migrant apprehensions this month, which would be the highest level since December of 2022, but takes does not take into consideration literally thousands more who crossed the border and were not apprehended. Now, in many cases, those who are here illegally uh, are being given uh, putative court dates, uh, but then they are released into the general population. Uh, in many cases, they are bussed uh, out of the Texas area to across the country. No place uh, is this issue uh, more acute than in New York City, uh, where there is a rising peaceful resistance of outraged citizens uh, who are standing up and speaking out against what they see as an illegal invasion of their city. Mayor Eric Adams seems to be schizophrenic in his approach, 
only days ago. He said that uh, the Biden policies and this influx of illegal migrants was going to destroy New York City. Uh, but then several days ago, he uh, lauded the Biden administration for giving temporary work permits to 117,000 Venezuelans uh, currently in New York City, but about to be trafficked out across the country. Uh, Mayor Adams has actually said that it will require, since he can't get any federal assistance from the Biden administration, uh, an 8 or 9% cut across the board. That's a cut in police protection, uh, a cut in hospitals and medical services, uh, and a cut in public education. Something's got to give. Joining me now to talk about this is a longtime friend of mine uh, and a Staten Island community activist, John Tobacco. John, welcome to The Roger Stone Show. Roger, thank you so much for having me. And uh, I live in Staten Island, but I'm an American community activist because what we're fighting against here, and you said it so greatly, um, nowhere is it affecting a town more acutely. Um, to be completely exacting, um, it's no more acute than here in Staten Island because we're the first city, we're the first town in New York City that actually is standing up to this mayor and these tyrannical policies. And uh, I'm on the ground every single day. You know, I'm keeping you posted. Um, we're fighting the mayor at every turn here in Staten Island. And we're really, to us, that we're drawing the line in the sand. This is the hill we want to die on. We're holding, we're holding the line here in Staten Island. And more people around the country who are listening to Roger Stone everywhere need to know this is coming soon to a theater near you. So you got to get people organized. And as much as we hate social media, Roger, um, I know it was a lot harder back in your day when you were doing organizational events and minor civil disobedience, getting people to a rally or a protest. Um, these days, we got 20, 30 people at these facilities at all times, hanging out, playing music, sending messages to them that they're better off back in the hotel in New York City. These are makeshift shelters. And uh, as soon as the word comes out that there's a bus heading this way, these people, these ladies, these grannies, these moms, they get on the phones and they start hitting the coffee clutches and you turn around, in 20 minutes, there's 200 people there. Um, and it makes it a lot harder for Mayor Adams and his henchmen to force this policy down Staten Island's throat. And, you know, little by little, we're winning out here. You know, I, I want to stress that uh, John Tobacco has been uh, a voice for nonviolence. Uh, a voice for civility. Uh, he's actually one of the few people I know who has talked to some of the migrants to try to get their point of view and share uh, their fears and their concerns. Uh, it is vitally important for those who are protesting uh, against these wrong-headed policies that you not fall into the trap of violence. Violence will uh, or lawlessness will only be used uh, against uh, those who are legitimately exercising their First Amendment rights uh, and their right to stand up for the security of their own community. I find it outrageous 
uh, that Mayor Eric Adams has accused the people of Staten Island uh, of xenophobia, uh, of being racists, uh, of, of, of being uh, extremists. Uh, has he forgotten that the vast majority of the people on Staten Island's families uh, came from Italy or, or Ireland or Poland or Hungary or other nations? We are a nation of immigrants. But the difference is that our ancestors came here legally. Our ancestors waited their turn. Our ancestors went through a, a legal process. Immigration has made America stronger, not weaker, but there is a correct way to do it. Uh, and as someone who is, a, you know, a political animal, uh, I cannot not recognize the political aspects of this and what I think is a blatant attempt to change the makeup of the America voting public. Yesterday, or two days ago, I guess it was, Pennsylvania Governor Josh Shapiro announced in Pennsylvania that if you got a driver's license or you renewed your driver's license, you would be automatically registered to vote. Nowhere in that process uh, is there any request for proof of citizenship. So it is just another backdoor way that people can be registered to vote who are not eligible. Uh, Mayor Adams uh, and the New York Democratic Party have already tried to get laws passed that allow non-residents, non-citizens to vote in, le in local elections. That has so far been defeated uh, in the courts. But John, I want to focus on a couple pieces of this. I first started to follow this story when the city attempted to house uh, hundreds of illegal immigrants uh, in uh, Arochar, I maybe uh, maybe mispronounced Arochar. Arochar, pardon me. The Arochar section of Staten Island, specifically at the St. John's Villa Academy, a facility that was closed in 2018, was purchased by the city, uh, originally with plans to create a thousand plus seat public school. Now, that facility was never meant to be a residential facility. Uh, and therefore, uh, it was required uh, that they put in portable showers, they put in porta potties, uh, and sewage, raw sewage, became a real genuine problem, both a, has, a, a, a health hazard, uh, as well as, and some people have told me this from Staten Island, the extraordinary stench of feces, uh, which is permeating the air. Uh, the city uh -huh. actually uses these trucks to come in several times a day and pump out the raw sewage, uh, and they have to use septic treatment companies to come do this. Uh, what has been the reaction of Staten Islanders uh, to what's happened at St. John's Villa Academy? Well, Roger, that was the that is the uh, first front in the war. We have that building um, 24 hours a day, pretty much. Um, with protesters there, and on a few moments' notice, everybody's on alert. If, and uh, what's happening there, and you mentioned the sewage, it's just like this whole program, just like Eric Adams as a mayor, the whole thing stinks, okay? And don't think about just a few porta potties. Think about 
a dozen showers and toilets in a large trailer home um, that has no connection for sewage except to have it pumped out, okay? When they start overflowing, it's running down the side, down the street next to the homes next door. Um, and then when the truck comes, it's one of these huge pumpers, Roger. And everybody out there, again, you're going to have these pumpers in your neighborhood when they're pumping for 20, 30 minutes. The stench is being blown all over the freaking neighborhood. It's absolutely inhumane. Not only the people in the neighborhood, the people in the building. It's not normal. Um, and look, that was slated for 300 people. Um, we immediately started protesting there against the policy. We took up a campaign of uh, going to the migrant center at Roosevelt Hotel and having people here always telling the people the truth. There are no showers here. There are rats here. There is mold here. There's sewage here. It stinks here. Um, go back to the Roosevelt Hotel. You had it better there. Um, and lo and behold, uh, a whole granny brigade with bullhorns telling these people, go back. Many of them don't get off the bus and say, they're right, take me back. Others go in and then check themselves out two days later voluntarily and go back. So... They were supposed to have 300 there. There's 40, and the numbers are dwindling. Now they tried to open up another center about two miles away, um, which was a senior home, okay? And over the last six, nine months, they threw out all the seniors and all the vets that were living in there comfortably. And now uh, in Midland Beach, Staten Island, at the Island Shores Senior Facility, um, the other night they tried to... Uh, start loading this one up it's set for 450 people um right now the other night they sent about 12 it was a six-hour standoff and you mentioned it before roger totally peacefully the cops are giving us a, an area where we're where we're penned in stay on the sidewalk stay out of the street um the civic associations that are behind these organizational uh, protests um they're asking all the speakers, even when they get fired up, like Scott Lebedo, don't curse. Okay? So, talk about peaceful. This is what peaceful civil disobedience should mean, has always meant, and to me, will always mean in Staten Island. We're standing there. We're expressing ourselves. We're loud. People are driving by. They're honking their horns. Honk for freedom. Um, that's the way it's supposed to be, Roger, the last time I looked. And uh, we in Staten Island... I'll say to Mayor Adams, stop. Your problem, you handle it. Take them to Gracie Mansion and show us that you can lead by example. And when you're taking migrants in on one of the biggest pieces of property in New York City, then come back to the other boroughs who are getting shortchanged for this and tell us you need a little charity from us. Until then, give us what we're supposed to get, not cuts. And you said maybe eight, nine, ten. It's a $12 billion deficit against a $105 billion budget. We're getting cut over 10%, nearly 12%. And that doesn't count all the Lulus that he's throwing his friends in these, you know, no-bid contracts like to Doc Go, who's getting paid $450 million. Um, I want to know where that money's going. You know, Roger, I ran for New York City Comptroller as a libertarian. And one of the main reasons I wanted to run for that job is to get the power 
to audit any city agency, and I knew I could pull out some fat. I know it, okay? And now I'm calling on Brad Lander, who's the comptroller. He's doing a good job. He's been critical of the mayor on this stuff. And the New York City comptroller should open an immediate audit and give some transparency to the people in New York City on the cuts that we're paying for. What's the number? What's that going to? Who's getting paid that money? Um, and as you know, there's always waste, fraud, and abuse in government contracts. So the people have a right to transparency. And, you know, look, that's what comptrollers are for. You know, Something got to do the math. John, I know that you are the son of a police officer. I know that you have great reverence for law enforcement uh, and uh, our police. Uh, but uh, the role of the New York City Police Department uh, in this entire crisis seems to be strange. Uh, I find the use of drones uh, in Staten Island to try to use facial recognition to determine who the protesters are, who are just exercising their constitutionally guaranteed right to free speech. Uh, also, the technology that is used to essentially lift cell phone numbers from those who are bearing cell phones at these peaceful demonstrations. Uh, but in some cases, it's it's actually been worse than that, no? Roger, the interesting thing about what's happening in Staten Island is, you know, I'm going to take you back quick to uh, 2020 during the lockdowns. And uh, myself and uh, Andrew Lanza, Vito Pacella, Lou Gelamino, um we took to the cause of fighting against the lockdowns. And there was a bar in Staten Island that was opening up, and we had protests. And we fought back in Staten Island against the lockdowns. And we won every case, okay? So the city knows that Staten Island is fight hard. We don't back down. We punch a bully in the nose and say, come get us. If we take a beating after, we still know. And the bully still knows that he got punched in the nose. So, you know, what we're doing here, and that's, of course, metaphorically, um, but we're standing up for with Democrats, Republicans. You mentioned a little earlier um, about the civil disobedience being peaceful, and it is. And in fact, I'm one of the biggest Trump brown, but we're asking people not to make it like a Trump rally because the media wants to paint us as crazy white MAGA extremists. And there's people of all colors. There's moms and grandmas who are out here for their kids and their grandkids. And there's Democrats in large numbers saying this is the line for me. Not that they're saying I love Trump or I love Republicans, but... They don't want to vote for Eric Adams. They don't want to vote for, for Joe Biden. That's for sure. And um, what I've been at Floyd Bennett protests. I've been out at the uh, Rockaway protest. I've been at almost every protest. I've not seen drones except in Staten Island. And Staten Island, as you know, is the most Republican borough. So um, what's happening here in Staten Island, to me, we're the only ones getting the drone every night. We got... 70% moms and grandmas out here protesting. I have a hard time believing they're going to do anything really violent that they need to surveil them from the aerial view. Um, but yeah, they have facial recognition. They have the uh, geofencing technology where they can I isolate phones. And I'm, I'm parked right now in the parking lot in front of the center because there's a big police presence. We're trying to figure out what's going on here in, in, in Staten Island. But uh, the drone is flying over our protest at all times. 
And when the lights are flashing, it means it's videoing or capturing pictures, and it's doing it the whole time. So, you know, if, if, if they're using it for crowd control or something, hey, great, more power to you. Um, but why are they only using it in Staten Island? Why are they trying to identify us? They know who the leaders are in Staten Island. We're out front of, in front of it. Every elected Republican held a press conference this week. Um, we're out in front of it. We're not against migrants. We're for people who come here legally, and then we'll put our hand in our pocket and give them our last $20. So I did see on TV the other night, I guess it was Tuesday, uh, when after Mayor Eric Adams assured the borough president that there would be uh, no more illegals shipped uh, to Staten Island, uh, that that the protesters reacted negatively to an MTA bus that was carrying asylum seekers to a newly converted shelter. Uh, That reaction was described by Mayor Adams as ugly, uh, even as over 100,000 migrants have been shipped to New York City since last year. Uh, A group of protesters were captured on video, uh, banging on the sides of the bus, halting traffic, intercepting the bus. Uh, I'm happy to say there was no absolute violence, but I must admit I was praying as Tempers were very clearly flaring. Uh, People said later that 10 people were taken into custody, with nine of them being issued summonses for disorderly conduct. Uh, I want to stress again that those kind of activities, and John, I know you don't countenance or advocate any of that, that is specifically counterproductive to what the people in New York are trying to do. Uh, It is fine to say you are not welcome here. Uh, What you've been doing, uh, using in many languages, uh, broadcasted recordings in many languages, telling people that they would be safer and more comfortable uh, in Manhattan, where a number of really expensive upscale hotels, like the Roosevelt, have now been converted uh, into migrant shelters, and they themselves have become extraordinarily dangerous. Uh, the, the Roosevelt Hotel, which we referred to earlier, uh, has been the site of uh, at least 41 arrests in the last week, uh, including Correct. accusations of uh, assault uh, and rape. Uh, it, it's Correct. very, very disturbing. Yeah, uh, Roger, if you could, I feel like um, you were citing a published report um, of of what happened in Staten Island, banging on buses. Is, is, was that fr- written somewhere? Uh, I, I am uh, I am reflecting a story in the New York Post, and therefore, I, obviously, I didn't see it firsthand. I did see some of this on TV, yeah. but I did not specifically see that. I want you to know that the New York Post has been doing a really good job of telling a true story. Um, but I was there from beginning to end. It started at 5.30. It ended at, at 10.30 at night. Uh, never one time did one person touch a bus, okay? There were people on the sidewalk blocking the sidewalk and stuff um, and shouting towards the bus, shouting at the cops, take them back. Um, But no one touched a bus. A young lady who I saw with my own eyes threw a Poland Spring bottle of water at the bus, okay? Um, And people turned around to her and said, don't do that. 
and it was a plastic bottle uh, to boot. Um, and we don't want that. We know it's counterproductive because Eric Adams doesn't say, hey, I can do better for you guys or I can do better with this plan. Uh, here's my solution. Eric Adams takes that one snippet out of the whole reason people are protesting his policy um, and uses that to deflect from himself. So we're trying to be better protesters. Um, and I'm talking to you just as a citizen of Staten Island. Uh, I'm standing here with my fellow neighbors and friends um, and expressing our displeasure with it. Um, and that's supposed to be allowed. And, you know, when I'm the son of a cop, I back the blue all the time. The other night, the good men and women in blue shirts that were here down at the at the facility got some orders from way above that they needed to show some force here in Staten Island, and they did. There were over 200 cops here. There were guys with 20 handcuffs hanging off their belt. Um, and it turned into, hey, the deputy commissioner herself was out here in the field. I talked to her. Um, so it must have been, you know, a real big reason Um because I don't think they even expected that Staten Islanders would have the gumption to start up a second line of defense in the protest, uh, in the migrant protest. And when they were met with resistance, it foiled their plan. And uh, maybe it got out of hand, I agree, but everyone was more than peaceful. Um, no one was hurt. There was no violence reported. These are kind of peaceful arrests. You know how that goes. You know, look, I think uh, President Biden uh, and Governor Hochul are both looking at the politics of this. Uh, they know that uh, Joe Biden or whoever the Democratic nominee for president is, is heavily, heavily favored to carry New York State. Uh, if the illegal migrants can be limited to New York City, uh, then they don't sustain political damage in the suburbs or particularly in upstate New York. Uh, and it is really kind of egregious the way Joe Biden has turned his back on Eric Adams and said, look, this is not my problem. This is your problem. Uh, no funding to help the city or the state get through this crisis. Uh, they appointed a liaison. I guess that's so they can get a better report uh, on how things are going. John, I have one more question for you that is off of the topic but I know it's something you feel strongly about. Reports late last week, the New York City Council is debating removing the statue of Christopher Columbus uh, from Columbus Circle. Uh, as an Italian-American, as you are, I find this outrageous. You and I have been working uh, feverishly uh, to organize the Italian-American Civil Rights League, which is uh, now uh, has been formed and legally constituted in the state of New Jersey, will be a national organization. Give me your quick reflection in the seconds we have left on this proposed move by the New York City Council. I think it's heinous. It's another in a long line of socialist policies. They want to remove historical leaders. They want to remove religion. They want to make us one colorless society. Um, you know, Hillary said it takes a village. They want um, they want to destroy our history. They want to rewrite the country. After uh, after uh, the the Georgia elections, Chuck Schumer said we win the runoff and then we change America. 
and he meant it. Him and Kirsten Gillibrand should be run out of town on a rail because they're doing nothing for this beautiful state and city. And uh, I, I'll just I'll just leave it on this, Roger. Uh, we in New York City and certainly in Staten Island have been getting the short end of the stick for quite some time. Um, and to stick it more in their face and bring it more right into literally residential neighborhoods, uh, not going to stand where the most Italian-American community in, I, the con- I think, the most Italian-American congressional district in the country. And uh, if somebody's coming for Christopher Columbus, they're coming for all of us. And uh, I'll be standing there right with you. You know, I'm dying to get a position with the Italian-American Civil Rights League because um, we don't have anybody. We don't have anybody because all our people are at work and they're doing they're doing the things they've been doing to build this city and country. Um, but I will rally every person I know, Roger. I will do anything I can for Italian civil rights because it's absolutely insulting um, that the few great, you know, historical figures we have, like the guy who found the joint, uh, America, uh Leave Christopher Columbus alone. Yeah, it's an, egregious, it's, it's an egregious attempt to, to cancel our heritage and our history. I'm afraid we have to leave it there. John Tobacco, uh, a, uh, a, uh, a very successful Wall Street businessman, but also a man who loves his community. Thank you for joining us here on The Roger Stone Show. Richard Nixon. Well, I'm not a crook. Ronald Reagan. Tear down this wall. George W. Bush. I can hear you. The rest of the world. And Donald Trump. And a friend of mine for a long time, he uh, only likes politics. If you ask him about how are the Yankees doing, he has no interest. If you ask him almost anything, he likes politics and he's a professional at the highest level. Roger Stone. All of these presidents relied on one man to secure their seat in the Oval Office. That man is Roger Stone. This is The Roger Stone Show on 77 WABC. Welcome back. I'm Roger Stone, and this is The Roger Stone Show on 77 WABC. Joining me now is Garrett Ziegler. Uh, He is the head of the Marco Polo USA organization, uh, which is a nonprofit organization uh, that has dedicated itself to educating the American public uh, about the contents of Hunter Biden's laptop, uh, as well as the egregious evidence of many, many crimes and corruption uh, therein. Uh, I invited uh, Garrett Ziegler back on the show this week because now he is being sued by Hunter Biden's high-priced attorneys uh, in an obvious attempt to silence him. I'm not a lawyer, but based on what I've read, their lawsuit is without merit. This is, in essence, just another effort to silence a would-be whistleblower. Uh, Garrett Ziegler of Marco Polo USA joins us uh, in the Roger Stone Show now. Good good morning. I appreciate this. And, uh, you know, the, the lawsuit was filed in federal court by Hunter last Wednesday. Um, and like you said, it's not worth the paper it's written on. 
and the person behind it, along with Kevin Morris, the 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 bong hitter, the funder, is Abby Lowell, who's been in this game since the '90s at least with Slick Willie, and you know we're we're facing basically Joe through proxies. There's no way that Joe, if not directing this, is a is at least not approving each and every one of these steps. So we're really getting sued by the U.S. president in office through other people. Let's uh, set the table here properly. So, Garrett, tell yeah. us what Marco Polo USA is and tell us what your mission is and what you have done. Yes. So Marco Polo is a small 501c3 with a budget of about $250,000. Very small compared to Heritage and other you know, quasi think tanks. Okay. And it's basically me and a group of guys, um, two private investigators, an attorney and accountant and digital forensics folks. And we went through the laptop, uh, like a group of PIs would. We basically took the tools and methods of private investigative work to this abandoned device. And it's insane because there's over 200 gigabytes, and we did it methodically. So I personally, Roger, went through all 128,000 emails. It took me over a year. And then the private investigators took all the contacts on Hunter's device, over 4,000 in his contact uh, application, and ran them all through background reports. And so what what we were able to do with that is – get a link analysis of their LLCs and their their uh, basically corporate uh, connections. And from there, we would dig further. So we did it very methodically. The reason why they included uh, John Doe's 1 through 10, Roger, is because they want to identify docs and try to get fired each and every person that worked with me. So they know that they – uh, they, you know, they can't really cancel me yet because we have such a uh, sort of grassroots donor base. But everybody that helped me with this, the private investigators, the attorney, they want to then uh, unmask them and then go to their associates or clients and say, hey, you know, you're working with an enemy of the state, and Joey declares who is an enemy of the state. If you don't lay off, you know, we'll try to basically economically blackmail you. It's disgusting. It's par for the course with Abby Lowell because Abby Lowell is a disgusting human being and a liar. Uh, but that's really the state of play. It's a small C3. We, uh, I'm, I'm based here in Illinois. Everybody else is, is across the country, um, and we're taking this device – like the insane uh, digital artifact that it is. I mean, we'll never have this much primary source uh, data on a sitting U.S. president again. We'll never have it again. It's it's unprecedented. The scope of the data from text message. It's it it's, it was basically his entire digital life. So, uh, for those of you who are not familiar, let me urge you to go to uh, the website, MarcoPoloUSA.org, where you can actually download the report on the Biden laptop, uh, or you Mm -hmm. can order a a bound copy, which 
Garrett and his colleagues will send to you for a nominal price. Uh, this is uh, not as X-rated as you might think because Garrett and his colleagues have thoughtfully blurred out the more shocking and indeed pornographic aspects of this report. But based on your own assessment, Garrett, how many uh, crimes or evidence of crimes uh, and what kind of crimes uh, did you identify uh, in this report? Yes. So after going, and I should have included this in my answer. I just realized that was an incomplete answer. I apologize. After going through all of that data, we published a comprehensive report about it. And the goal was to put out a report that a subcommittee of the U.S. Congress would put out. That was the goal in terms of length, uh, you know, the format. It was completely torn apart by editors. I had about 80 different people English PhDs, professors, we, we basically have had, you know, very, very few even grammatical errors, let alone factual errors. Uh, in fact, we have a bounty for $1,000 for anybody who can find a material error. Not one leftist has, has, has you know, <laughs> uh, come up with that $1,000. But basically, the, the, the process for writing this was we went through the device, matched up, the criminal code and not just the the u.s federal criminal code but the state codes so the number to answer your question directly is 459 <laughs> that is the number of state and federal laws and regulations that have been violated by hunter biden joe biden or their associates 459 that's that's primary source evidence. That's not conjecture or speculation. There are many that we left out because we didn't have enough to be able to prove it beyond a reasonable doubt. That we use the criminal standard, not the civil litigation standard of preponderance of the evidence. Every single time we say Hunter committed a crime, and uh, those crimes, to answer your second question, run the gamut from uh, Foreign Agent Registration Act violations to money laundering to solicitation, to uh, sex trafficking a couple of times, not of underage women, but of, but of just barely over the legal limit, uh, girls younger than his daughter, actually, his oldest daughter, Naomi. And so we have a first family that's in total disarray. The communications stored on the device prove that Joey is, again, not my opinion, but born through the facts, a patriarch of a family of drunks and drug addicts. We're talking about a family that could have a show on TLC, Roger. I mean, it's that bad. From drugs, from, you know, Hunter Biden uh, slept with and basically dated his brother's widow. And this isn't some Old Testament thing where the widow didn't have children. She had two kids of her own, and there's a backstory with one of them, too. You want to go ahead and tell us that backstory? <laughs> well, I, I didn't know if you so the the it's in the report we go through how the mother, so Joey's daughter-in-law, the widow of Hunter's brother, Hallie Biden, accused Hunter over a period of months of being sexually inappropriate with her 13-year-old daughter. And the crime that we have them on, because we can't prove that hunter did this we can prove he was accused of it by his own family members 
is mandated reporter violations. Uh, Bo Biden, when he was the attorney general of Delaware, actually pressed for and succeeded in passing a state law that requires people who hear of sexual abuse of a child to report it to the authorities. And Joe and Jill and Jimmy Biden and Hunter and Ashley all heard of these allegations and didn't uh, report them to the authorities in direct contravention to their deceased son's work. So it's the height of irony, and the exact allegations were that Hunter was walking around naked, smoking crack cocaine, and FaceTiming prostitutes in front of his 13-year-old niece. Again, those aren't my allegations. Those are the allegations of Hallie Biden. So uh, I think anyone who has followed this closely understands that the prosecutors in Delaware— uh, David Weiss, who is constantly falsely identified as a Trump appointee, when in fact he is an Obama administration holdover who remained in the U.S. attorney's job only because he's the only individual that the two Democrat U.S. senators from Delaware would give a so-called blue slip to, the only one they would agree could be moved forward for Senate confirmation. So Mr. Weiss is not a Trump appointee, he's a Trump holdover, uh, and that it's very clear that he worked closely uh, with Hunter Biden's attorneys uh, and uh, an assistant of his, Leslie Wolf, to fashion a plea bargain agreement uh, that blew up in midair only weeks ago, where uh, Hunter Biden was to plead guilty to two relatively minor tax charges, uh, and a charge of lying on forms to purchase a federal firearm. Now, this has created a spate of stories uh, on the social media uh, by bots who claim falsely uh, that Roger Stone walked out on millions of taxes, got a sweetheart deal from the IRS, but poor Hunter Biden uh, is being held to account. Uh, so I have to take this opportunity to extinguish uh, that lie. Uh, my wife and I do owe taxes from the year 2006. Uh, and we were in negotiations with the U.S. Justice Department, after my pardon, to try to reach some settlement on that matter. But when those taxes were about to expire under the law, without any notice to us, uh, the IRS and the Biden Justice Department filed a civil suit against us. There is no sustained allegation that we failed to report a single penny. There is no allegation that we failed to report a single asset. Uh, and the claim by many on social media that we are guilty of tax evasion is an egregious lie. What is outrageous is that with penalty and interest, a tax bill of less than a half million dollars that I had made payments on every month for eight years without making a single late payment uh, or ever missing a payment uh, has ballooned into a tax debt of $2 million when you add penalties and interest. And the IRS mm -hmm. will not give me any break in negotiation on penalties and interest, which normally they would do in any uh, situation where tax debt is this old and the taxpayer is struggling to pay it. So I will have to pay every penny. I received no sweetheart deal. It is an egregious smear, 
but it comes up every time somebody mentions the fact that Hunter Biden failed to declare almost $10 million in illicitly gained income, quite different from my situation in which I legally declared, my wife and I, every single penny which we honestly earned. Mm -hmm. So the scale is even completely different let alone all the lies. Even if their lies were true, it's not even comparable. And you can be sure, and I don't, you don't even, you don't even tell you this, but that's coming directly from Joey. I bet that order came directly from Joey to the IRS about you. Well, uh, let us move on. Now, a number of whistleblowers <laughs> have come forward uh, at great peril to themselves uh, and their families uh, to say that the Justice Department Uh, And uh, Mr. Weiss, who has now been named in violation of the Department of Justice's requirements for a special counsel as a special counsel, I think that's window dressing, or perhaps it's the trap door, because if Hunter Biden is ultimately convicted of any crime and prosecuted by Mr. Weiss, well, that prosecution would be defective based on the fact that Mr. Weiss's appointment as special counsel is legally and regulatorily improper. So I think they did it on purpose. Uh, but uh, I noticed yesterday that one of my old favorites, Congressman Jerry Nadler, took to the <laughs> floor, uh, or actually, I guess, speaking in a hearing, uh, saying that everything that these whistleblowers have said has been thoroughly and completely debunked. Uh, that, that, that higher-ups at the Justice Department and the IRS, who are risking nothing, by the way, have come forward to contradict those brave individuals who immediately lost their livelihood, lost their paycheck, lost their insurance, uh, lost their financial security to come forward and tell the truth. Uh, and then only yesterday, uh, in the wake of the uh, of the claims by Congressman Nadler, a third IRS official has come forward to say that the Justice Department blocked Mr. Weiss from charging Hunter Biden uh, in any uh, forum at all. That IRS Director of Fields Operation, Marker, uh, Michael Bartdorf, told the House Ways and Means Committee yesterday uh, in closed-door interview that he was frustrated by the refusal of the Justice Department to approve tax charges uh, against Hunter Biden. What do you make of all this, uh, Garrett? I think that it is a brouhaha of um, epic proportions, and I think it all goes uh, to the fact that nobody beyond these whistleblowers, who are protected, by the way, by statute, uh, Abby Lowell, lies like you and I breathe, and one of his most common lies is that these whistleblowers are disclosing confidential information. Abby Lowell needs to uh, take remedial courses on the whistleblower statute. Uh, Any whistleblower can come to Congress and make protected disclosures. That's exactly what they're doing. And um, what do I make of Batdorf specifically? I think that this is a fluid situation where no one wants to take the fall for the entire fiasco and so we're going to have competing accounts precisely because a lot of these feds love their pension more than anything uh unlike the 
uh, congressionally sanctioned whistleblowers. And so I, I don't know who to believe right now in terms of the uh, the, the officials on the investigation. Here's, here's what I do know. We went through the first two release transcripts in June uh, from Shapley and Joseph Ziegler, no relation to me, by the way. And we made a Facebook, a literal, we looked up each and every person named in this transcript, and we put it out on our Substack page. And uh, you can go to marcopolo501c3.substack and look at this, basically, it's a dope chart. We, we, we pride ourselves on finding information on these dirty feds because, very simply, if you do not have the slightest clue who is doing the miscarriage of justice, you can't really seek redress for your grievances, which is, as you know, the last clause in our First Amendment. Uh, so I think that we're going to keep putting out who exactly is involved in this. And by the end, by the time Weiss actually brings an indictment for the taxes, which hopefully will include felonies, my God, instead of it's these misdemeanors, like you said earlier, that botch plea deal, we will have a good idea of who precisely were the sinners here. Uh, and we'll have it broken down by agency. So we got the IRS done. We'll have the FBI. Then we'll do the U.S. Attorney's Office in Delaware. Then the tax division at the DOJ. I'm sure those names will include people who have targeted you, as you were talking about, Roger. So we'll stay on it. I'm The reason why they're filing suit against me is because I've really been a dog on a bone like this on this story. I haven't let up. And we're making a real impact because we're not putting out fake stuff. Everything that we put out is totally vetted, and Hunter hates us for it. And he hates us because he's taken – he's had no introspection. After all of this, Roger, he still hasn't had any remorse. I mean he, he can't even go out in public and say, you know what, I screwed up. He hasn't taken any remorse for anything. His only, his only instinct is to lash out at us. I have no malice towards Hunter Biden. I think he's corrupt as hell, but I have no inner malice towards him. I'm just telling the truth. I don't want to accuse him of anything he didn't do. And the, tr the fact of the matter is, is that he and his father ran a global FARA-violating and money laundering scheme under the table while his dad was a sitting vice president. Folks, if you're, just, uh, if, if you're just tuning in, uh, this is The Roger Stone Show on 77 WABC Radio, and we are interviewing... Garrett Ziegler, who is the head of the Marco Polo USA organization. You can find them at marcopolousa.org. They are in an epic legal battle. So if you want to make a contribution there, it would be most welcome. Lawyers are extraordinarily expensive, uh, but I know Garrett Ziegler to be a fighter, a fighter for the truth, but this is a fighter who needs our help. While you're there, you can download uh, this incredible body of work in the report on Hunter Biden's laptop. Uh, you can also order a bound version if that's more convenient for you. Your printer's going to need a lot of paper if you're going to download this. Uh, but uh, I want to go back to Garrett Ziegler in the time uh, that we have left. Garrett, what have you thought of the House Republicans' efforts to get to the bottom of the uh, abuses uh, and the violations by the Biden, specifically Congressman James Comer, Congressman uh, Jim Jordan. Uh, what do you think of the pace and scope of their investigations? 
the pace hasn't been terrible. The scope has been uh, not specific enough. Those men that you mentioned, Comer and Jordan, have actually been outdone by somebody who I didn't think would be relevant at all, which is Jason Smith. Jason Smith, Ways and Means Chairman, has been a pleasant surprise in all of this. He's the one who's actually released the transcripts of those whistleblowers, put it on it, put it, put it up for a vote, and actually did it. So I've been, uh, I've been not totally uh, sad, I should say. I've not been totally sad about their pace and scope, but it's not. Let's put it this way. They haven't been killers about it all. They they need they should have subpoenaed Hunter and Joey back in April. Uh, Comer, as a reason for not doing that, said that he didn't want to get in, into litigation. And my response is, uh, you have government-paid staffers to do this. It's not like you're going to have to pay Latham and Watkins by the hour to adjudicate these subpoenas. If Hunter and Joey want to object, let them object. Have your committee staff fight it in court. doesn't cost you anything. And we could have maybe even gotten Joey's bank accounts by now. And we know the exact things that they need to subpoena, Roger. We put the phone number of Joey's burner iPhone that Hunter's business, Rosemont Seneca, paid for. That subpoena should have been issued to AT&T back in April. And now it's September 22nd, officially fall, last day of summer yesterday. So now it's officially fall. And we still don't have the subpoena records for that cell phone. So I've been peppering them. They sort of treat me like a dog would treat a cat. Uh, they like the information that I give them, but they know that I'm not a solid uh, – let's put it this way. I'm not a solid Republican. I'm not in their camp. I'm, so, I'm sort of a watchdog on everybody. And so they, they, they sort of treat me at arm's length. Not all the members. I, I really like Ron Johnson in the Senate. Um, I actually wouldn't be sad at all if Johnson uh, became the VP candidate under uh, DJT. But I think a lot of these congressmen are leaf eaters, and we really need carnivores right now because the lying and the lawfare is disgusting. And the, 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 the crops are so rich. I mean, Joey's listed on some of these SARS. We have five SARS, uh, suspicious activity reports from J.P. Morgan. They name the U.S. president. It's insane. Uh, I'm sure that you uh, were tuned in for the congressional testimony of Attorney General Merrick Garland. Uh, you yes. also probably have better grounding on the background uh, of that testimony than anyone. Uh, what was uh, your assessment? Before I get into Garland's lying, there was a comment I can't remember. I think it's Jeff Van Drew made it, and I feel and I, I feel it deeply, which is a lot of Americans are scared of their own Justice Department. I know I have fear, not a lot, but I would be lying if I said I didn't have any fear uh, that I'm going to get raided for nothing. Now I don't need to tell you about an unjustified raid, my God, but I just I'm I'm fearful that this that when this lawfare doesn't work and it's not going to work because um, I'm not an idiot in my group that I've assembled, ha I have a lot of oversight. Uh, you know, I'm, all the board members of Marco Polo are my father's age. So I have a lot of oversight. I have a lot of help. And we're not going to make dumb decisions in terms of litigation strategy and everything. So when this lawfare fails, their only recourse, their only step 
is just going to institute a raid on me and try to indict me for something stupid and then draw attention to that say, hey, this Garrett guy is a criminal. So I'm terrified of the Justice Department at times, and Merrick Garland is he, – he lies so effortlessly. He, he, he plays dumb. He, he thinks he, – or he, he says he has no idea that the Americans are feeling this way. Millions of people think he's corrupt. Why – you asked me about the House members – why they haven't started impeachment uh, on Garland first. I agree that Joey took a bribe to, for firing Shoking, and he needs to be impeached. But nevertheless, why not start on Garland first, right? He's so terrible. He's, he lies about so many things from the anti-Catholic uh, memos to um, <laughs> how, how many, going agent, to how many federal meetings. agents were on at the Capitol on January 6th? There's yet another. No. He, he has no idea, none whatsoever. He's not even sure there were any, based on the clip I saw. Yes, and I think that the Republicans do mostly very well in the hearings. What I want is for that, for those articulate speeches to translate into an actual impeachment. You know, Eric Holder was held in contempt. Uh, Unlike my former boss, he wasn't charged for that congressional contempt. Uh, but it's much much more than just contempt. We really need to impeach Garland. I'm not saying that the next guy is going to be any better, but I'm saying justice requires this absolute tyrant piece of crap to get impeached. Well, not one to mince words. We're, we're about at the end. I have one more quick question for you before we have to go. Uh, you mentioned when we were talking before that Senator Bob Menendez, uh, back yes. in the headlines, uh, reportedly receiving over $400,000 in gold bars worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Beyond belief. Absolutely beyond belief. <laughs> Menendez, I think, like we mentioned, is perhaps the most corrupt senator, and that's hard to do considering Mitch McConnell's sister-in-law is on the board of the Bank of China, literally. Uh, and you know who represented Menendez in his previous federal indictment is Abby Lowell. So Abby Lowell has represented Gary Condent, Slick Willie, Bob Menendez, uh, John Edwards, and now Hunter Biden. So if the public is watching, you know, the, the here's a good heuristic: locate Abby Lowell in American Life, and there will be corrupt actors around him. He's sort of like a GPS tracker for sinful and corrupt and illegal activity. Abby Lowell will be there. And so we'll see if Menendez calls his old pal who got him out of the clink the first time. Uh, and Abby Lowell's probably going to tell him, hey, look, Kevin Morris has deeper pockets than your donors. I'm sorry, but you're on your own this time, Bobby. All right. That's uh, unfortunately we are out of time. I want to thank Garrett Ziegler of the Marco Polo USA organization. Again, you can find him at MarcoPoloUSA.org, where I urge you to send a generous contribution if you're a believer in the truth uh, or to order your very own copy of his comprehensive and impressive report on Hunter Biden's laptop. Garrett Ziegler, thank you so much for joining us on The Roger Stone Show.